Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Today I want to talk about loving them because obviously I love myself, I love God, but God calls me to love other people. So today's going to be a little bit different. Maybe you came here and you said, well, it's going to be a Valentine's Day message. You know how I can love uh, for those that are single, you know, my future husband in a good way. Or for those that are married, how I could improve my marital relationship. But today I'm going to talk about something different, just loving others in general. And I'm going to share with you two principles, one that I'm just going to throw in as a bonus (laughs) and another one that we're going to develop today and we're going to start studying. So the first, if you're taking notes, the first thing I love for you to jot down is this. Being loved is not a requirement to love. Sometimes we think that in order for me to love somebody, I need to be loved first. It's a requirement. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us we even have to love those that don't love us. And that's where things get intense. One day, Jesus was telling his disciples, you know, about this. He was sharing the topic and he was saying, listen, if you just love the people that love you back or the people that give you gifts or that treat you nice, um, everybody, the whole world does that. But how are people going to know that the love of Christ, which is unconditional, lives in your heart? It's by loving those that are difficult to love. It's by, it's by praying for your enemies. Hello. When was the last time you shot up a prayer for your enemies? Right? Uh, it's, it's about wishing people, and, and not the kind of prayer that you want God to strike them, right? That's not the prayer that God wasn't, was referring to. It's a genuinely saying, God, remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I think that was something genuine. He, was, he, he wasn't just trying to impress you when you read the word and say, whoa, Jesus, wow, what love. No, he really was saddened because he was hanging on that cross for them too. He's like, they don't understand, God. Just don't count it against them. They're, I'm suffering here, but it's just that they don't know. And sometimes people do us wrong, and it's because of stuff they've gone through in the past, and we just don't know. So sometimes it's, you know, we have to say, God, just don't take it off on them. You know, don't forgive them and, and help me forgive them as well. But the second topic that I want to talk about today, or the second main point is uh, love hard when it's hard to love. Love hard when it's hard to love. And uh, I, I want to start off with this because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the New Testament. New, New Testament Christians were crazy Christians. And I think that's the type of Christians that God wants and is looking for today. I think that's the only type of Christian. Because the, the whole word Christian means follower of Christ. Means, and there's only one way to follow Christ. So in the New Testament, in biblical times... Uh, we see that it was during difficult times and even intense persecution when the fervor of God filled the hearts of his children to go through extraordinary lengths to love others. It was in times of persecution, and we're going to get to that a little bit in a few minutes. It was in times where people, they could kill you for sharing God's love. For telling people Jesus loves you, it could cost your life. Intense. 
It was the oppression that came from government in that time because they were under a Roman Empire uh, and the Roman Empire governed the Jews. But not just them, it was also religion itself. The religious Jews it didn't want to have anything to do. They still didn't believe in Jesus. Obviously, they crucified him. So this whole Jesus was a blasphemy to them. So not just persecution from government, but it was also persecution from within, from your fellow Jews that didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. So it was in the midst of all that that their spiritual fervor was stirred up. And the evidence that we have matured spiritually, for those that have been coming to church for a while, how you grow in your faith and spiritually, how you mature, is, is shown when you are able to love hard when it's hard to love. Right? I'm able to love hard when it's difficult to love. So regardless of whether, you know, that person voted for the same candidate for, for the presidency that I voted, regardless of whether that person likes me or not, I'm called to love that person with everything I got. How many say amen? Right? So what matters is that even when we're sinners, God showed mercy towards us and forgiveness of sin. So, you know, that alone should... It should give me the strength and the, ter- the determination to be able to share God's love to all those who, around, who surround us. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the story of the early church. You see, when Jesus resurrected, he died. He was buried, right, in the tomb. He was there for three days. On the third day, he resurrected. But before he went to be with the Father, the Bible says that he was 40 days walking on the earth. He resurrected in a glorified body. But he still had not gone to, the, to be with the Father. So that's why you read in the Bible, there were like a hundred appearances. The Bible doesn't register all of them, but some people say that he appeared to like over a hundred times. And some of those appearances that the Bible registers, he just, he, the disciples are gathering. They're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? Jesus is gone. Uh, he resurrected, but we don't know. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus just walks through the wall. All right? Just like supernatural stuff. Like, here I am, right? And it's like, ah! freaked out and he had a glorified body but he was able to eat fish there's a there's a part where he comes and he eats a fish sandwich he just crossed the wall he's a spirit oh wait no he's eating a sandwich what is he right it's weird so uh he starts appearing during 100 days and the bible you know mentions some of these appearances until the last one and the last one is recorded in acts chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 and i ask that you go with me in your bibles And we're going to read the story. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and time. And they are not for you to know. So what the disciples are saying and trying to ask Jesus is, listen, Jesus, are you going to build your throne here on earth now? Are we going to kick all these Romans out? In, in essence, what he was trying, or what they were trying to ask Jesus is, listen, are things going to get better? Are things going to get better from here on out? Because we've been hiding. They're, they're, they killed you, but now they're looking for us. And we just want to know, you know, is it okay? Is, are things going to get better? Are you just going to kick all these people out? Because they've seen some cr- Jesus do some crazy things. They saw Jesus, you know, heal the sick and, and do some extraordinary things. God, you know, are, are you just going to come and wipe these people out? What's going to happen? And Jesus responds to them, I'm just paraphrasing, not word for word, but he tells them, look, guys, it's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get any easier. But, and I want, I want to read this with you because this is, 
This is something that God promised every single believer and that God has given us. And that you need to understand this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. Say power with power. Come on. Power. All right. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Notice this, that you can't be a witness until you receive the power. You get that correlation? <clears throat> you will receive power and then you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, which is where they were living, right there at home. Then through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they can no longer see him. It's like Jesus, he's saying these, these are his last words. And now the Jesus that walked with us for three days, or I'm sorry, for three years, and now he, he died, resurrected, now he, he's gone after 40 days just appearing here and there. And he, his last words were this, that he was going to give us power. So un, understand this, Jesus told them that things weren't going to get better, but that he had something that they needed. And it's that this Holy Spirit will give you power. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit gives me power. Listen, don't ever settle to be a Christian that walks without the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going you're gonna to die frustrated. You're not going to see anything supernatural that God has left for you. You're going to be missing out on the greatest thing and the greatest gift that God left us because yes God the Father is at the throne God the Son is sitting at the right hand of the Father but we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us sometimes we contain him and we have him like pushed into a corner and we don't let him manifest and he wants to do great things through you but because sometimes we don't live our lives according to the word of God we don't obey we live in disobedience we don't believe we don't start praying for others we don't right we don't we don't get the full effect of what it means that God lives inside of me so just stop and think about that and God almighty God lives inside of you right now if you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and all the power, you will receive power. Come on, tell somebody close to you, tell them, you have the power. You have the power. Some people are like, what, what power? <laughs> I just need a job. <laughs> well, yeah, power for that too. Now check this out. Jesus says this, he tells them, look, it's not gonna get any better. And as he's saying that, he's taking up to the clouds, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. And, and Luke, who wrote also the book of Acts, as a matter of fact, a lot of people say that Luke and Acts was just one book, just got split into Luke and Acts, but it's actually one book. So when you read Luke and you finish reading the book of Luke, you should start reading the book of Acts because it's all one together and it's the same author. And Luke does an amazing job of, of writing and putting it together. And this promise that Jesus leaves his followers it transcends your personality type. I mean, this, this power, because sometimes we say, well, I don't know how to share the gospel with people. I don't know how to tell people Jesus loves them. Jesus loves you. That's, that's all I can say, right? Just that. But the Bible says that this power gives you boldness. And it doesn't matter what your personality type is. Believe it or not, I was a person that was very, very shy. And one of my... <laughs> One of, my, one of the things that I dreaded the most, or the thing that I dreaded the most, was public speaking. So go figure, right? I ended up doing that for a living, but I hated it. First class I took was public speaking because I wanted to get it done with. 
that was me. And here, God's telling you, look, even if you're shy, even if, you know, that's not your personality, even if you're reserved, when the power of God comes with you, you're going to receive power and you're going to be witness. Amen? So the fact that we witness, you can't witness without power. Amen? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we mature in boldness, you know, as we share the gospel, we start learning of how to present the gospel better. Someone once said that uh, we have the best product, which is salvation, which is everlasting life. But sometimes we have the worst salespeople, worst salespeople. And, and we can't afford that, right? We have to, sometimes we have to say, man, this person needs to know about Jesus. How can I talk to him? Where, where can I, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom? How can I, he likes the dolphins, the Miami dolphins. Okay, let me go, let me see how I can, you know, start talking about the dolphins, right? And end up talking about salvation, right? And your need for Jesus. But this is something that as we grow in Christianity, you know, it's, we start perfecting and we start being more bold. So what we see here in the book of Acts is that these people are fervently showing and manifesting love for others. I mean, they're, they're still being persecuted. They're still being, you know, hunted down. They want to kill them because they're still talking about Jesus. But their love for people are so much that they don't even care. They just keep on doing it and they do it willingly. And more importantly, they do it lovingly. So in the book of Acts chapter 8, we find the story of Stephen. We find the story of Stephen. And... Uh, we see in the book of Acts the intense love that these people have for the children of God. They love even when it's difficult. They love even when they're being persecuted and they're being martyred. We're going to read in just a minute the story of Stephen. They're being martyred, killed for the gospel, tortured for declaring that Jesus is the only way to connect them to the Father. That the 613 laws of the Torah, practicing those laws, are not going to get them anywhere in heaven. But it's just through the mercy and, and love of God. So in Acts 8, we find the story of Stephen. And for those that never have read his story, Stephen was a person that he loved God with all his heart. And we just read that <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit came, uh, people started preaching the gospel uh, they received power and they started witnessing. And Stephen was one of these guys. So the Bible says that Stephen was preaching the gospel one day and a bunch of radical Jews just stopped them, gathered around him, and they started stoning him to death in public. These are like the, not the little pebbles that you have in your backyard. We're talking about like those big landscaping uh, stones. Have you seen them? That's sometimes in a... You know, somebody in the garden, you know, I know Julio knows about this, right? Big stones. Could you imagine dying, uh, people dropping rocks this big on your head? In public, in the light of day, in front of your family members, in front of your friends. Because you preached the gospel. And they killed him. And they started dropping them in his head. And, and, and I'm sure they were aggressive. They were probably chanting and, and shouting at him. And he died. He was murdered for telling his Jew friends, Jesus is life. The law kills, but Jesus brings life. He loves you so much that he gave his life. And for that message, they killed him. Acts chapter 8, and that we're going to read. Acts chapter 8, verse number 1. It says, Saul was one of those witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. So we're talking about Stephen's killing, right? With the rocks, they killed him. Who, who was one of the ones that was completely in agreement and actually gave the go-ahead? Saul. Everybody say Saul. So this guy was like, 
bad. And then in my Bible, there's, a, there's like a subtitle, and it says, persecution scatters the believers. You see, what they did to Stephen there was eye-opening to all the Christian community. There was no Twitter. There was no YouTube. You know, it wasn't on, on you know, the 11 o'clock news, anything like that. But trust me, word got around. They killed Stephen with stones in the light of day. So Christians, they started getting their families, and they're like, we're out. And they started leaving Jerusalem. They started going to Judea, to Samaria, which was the promise, what Jesus had said that they had to do, right? So they started leaving. And the Bible says that a great wave, I'm in verse 2, a great wave of persecution began that day. Listen, things got turned up a notch. If things were bad there, and I guess this was what Jesus was telling them, look guys, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get worse, but I'll give you power. So we'll get to that. But a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. Listen, I want you to pay attention to this. Saul was going everywhere to what? What was his objective? He wanted to destroy the church. He thought he was doing it. He thought he was doing well. He was just blinded. He thought he was, in the name of religion, he thought he was doing good by killing all these crazy radical Jesus followers. So he was doing everything in his power to destroy the church everywhere. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Can you imagine today you go back home, you're having your nice uh, you know, because you didn't want to spend much in a restaurant today and overpay. So you, stay, you, you, know, you decided to cook for your wife, right? And you're cooking there. You're enjoying your Valentine's romantic dinner, candlelit right there in the, in the backyard or wherever. And, and all of a sudden, they come barging into your door. And they grab you by your hairs. And they take you out and put you in prison if you're lucky. Uh, others, they'd kill right there on the spot. Imagine the persecution. Just because you're Christian... Just because you profess following Christ. So this was Saul's job. He literally go everywhere, going into people's houses, dragging them out, and putting them into jail. Now check this out. With opposition of this type, humanly speaking, if, if, if it was a therapist and I was a Christian, I'm sure the therapist would tell me, listen, Jonathan, lay low for a second. There's a lot of stuff going out there. Be wise. You want to live a long life to preach to more people about Jesus. Calm down. You know, don't stir up things. It's getting crazy out there. Just calm down. This is not the time. You know, wait for a couple of weeks to pass by, for things to settle, for this Stephen thing to, you know, just be forgotten. And then, you know, then you could start again little by little. You know, you don't want to call too much attention to yourself. But that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, it was quite the opposite. They didn't silence the miracle. And listen, you, you need to know this, that if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, that's a miracle. And there's only one that's, that's wanting to silence that miracle. You have an adversary. He doesn't want you to tell others about Jesus. I mean, we don't live in these times. Thankfully, nobody's coming into our house to pull us from our hairs and throw us into prison. But sometimes we take advantage of that freedom that we have. And we've made it, we've gotten so comfortable that, you know, we think it's optional whether we should speak to other people about Christ. 
Oh, no, I'd rather give to the church so that the church, through the radio or through the streaming or through the... Wait a second. We have a one-on-one responsibility, and God one day is going to call us. We're talking about love today, right? Loving others. One day we're going to be face-to-face before God, and God's going to say, what did you tell your friend that you sat next to in school, you know, in chemistry class? Uh, why didn't you tell him about Christ? That neighbor that you have living next to you for the past five years, and all you do is wave at him. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Good morning. Why haven't you told him about Christ? And you see, we, sometimes we get so comfortable because there's no persecution. I wonder if, you know, they killed a Christian, like on, in downtown or in South Beach, and, and all the cameras, and it's on the 11 o'clock news. I wonder how many people we have next Sunday in church. And if persecution starts getting intense, do we really love God? Do we really love people? And check this out. I know this is confronting, but this is what I want to get at. Because I'm not here to talk about Stephen. I'm actually here to talk about Philip. Because Philip was Stephen's best friend. They were always together. They were in the ministry together. They loved God together. They served God together. And Philip, when he sees what happens, he decides to go to Samaria. He didn't go to an easy place. Samaria's, Samaritans didn't get, to, you know, didn't get along with Jews. So here's this guy that just lost his best friend serving God. They, he, he probably was there when, you know, they murdered him or at least heard about it and probably was, oh, couldn't believe it. But instead of, you know, mourning, instead of, uh, you know, I, I need some time to process this whole thing, he gets up and he goes to Samaria. Something is living inside of Philip that he can't contain and he can't help himself from preaching about Jesus Christ. And what I hope is inside every single believer here in JTP Church is the same Holy Spirit and the same power that is inside of you, the same one that was inside Philip, that, you know, you just can't contain yourself from telling people that Jesus loves persecution or no persecution. Thank you, Danny. And then, um, so here's Philip, best friends. He goes to Samaria. After all this happened with Stephen, he didn't say, well, you know what, I'm going to, just to process all things and just to, I'm going to go to the Fountain Blue. I'm going to rent a room over there, oceanfront. I'm going to go down to Gotham Steak, get myself a nice ribeye or a nice porterhouse. I'm going to eat. I'm just going to take some time and to pray and seek direction from God. He didn't do that. He didn't. He entered enemy territory to share the love of Jesus and many received Jesus in their heart. Let's read it. It's in Acts 8, now verse 5. It says, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and he told the people there about the Messiah. He kept on preaching. Listen, church, he didn't care about persecution. He didn't care about what people thought about him. He didn't care whether they called him crazy or radical or fanatic. Or... No, no, he, he preached the Messiah, the same message that Stephen just got killed for. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message. And I got news for you. People here in Miami, in Doral, they're eager to hear the message. Listen to me. They're eager to hear it now. There's a lot of people hurting right now. They need to hear about Jesus Christ. We can't afford for those in Santeria and and Los Brujeros, right? And, And all these people that have the wrong message when the church is... What are we doing? We're, not, we're staying silent or hiding behind closed doors when we should be being aggressive about this. So it says that people were eager to hear the message and see the miraculous signs he did because this is 
part of the power that the Holy Spirit gives us. It's not just the, you know, be bold and preach the gospel. It's accompanied by signs and wonders. Listen to me. When you believe Jesus, it's sad to see somebody, some people sometimes understand one part of it and just leave the whole other supernatural part out. As a matter of fact, why did people follow Jesus and come to Jesus and, because of the signs? Right? That's what called the people's attention. Jesus would heal the sick. Jesus will cast out demons, will deliver people, and, and he would also teach. But it, you can't just have words and no power. So you have to understand that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the power within you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And if you've opened your heart to God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So, hey, you have that power. Maybe it's just a matter of believing. You just don't believe it. So I'm not going to pray because if I pray, and whatever he doesn't get saved. You know, it's, a, it's a faith issue. But the power is there. Sometimes we just know the power with our unbelief. So, so these people, miraculous signs, and verse 7 says, Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. These aren't headaches, okay? These are people that couldn't walk, blind. You know, people started seeing just supernatural miracles of God. And 8 says, so there was great joy in that city. What if Philip would have never, what if he would have gone to have a fountain blue to take some days off? I wonder how many, how long our vacation has been. Maybe we are, we've been on a year-long sabbatical. And we haven't preached to any or spoken to anyone about Jesus for a year. And the Bible says that there was great joy in that city. Amazing. Isn't that, wouldn't you love to preach to an entire city and everybody, all these crazy things start happening. And there's joy and people getting delivered and healed and, and the blind see. Wouldn't, how many of you guys would like to experience that? Even if it's for one day, just to go in a stadium full of people and you just pray and people ah, start over there. And this guy got healed. He couldn't hear. And now he hears. This guy was uh, mute and he started speaking. Just crazy. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, the entire city was shook up by this man that was willing. Now, he, he didn't have the power to do it. It was God's power through him. But he went instead of hiding. Now, it doesn't end there. This would be great. I mean, if, if I was Philip, I'd be feeling so good. I'd be saying, Lord, thank you for using me and thank you for giving me the boldness. Amen. Lord, you know what? Now I'm just going to go celebrate. I'm going to go take a week off. I'm going to go to the Keys, go fishing, just relax and just thank you for all the amazing things that you did. But that's not what Philip did. It didn't end there. As if it wasn't hard enough to have buried your best friend for preaching the gospel. And now God calls you in a difficult time to do something very difficult and risk your life for the sake of others. And you do it. And the glory of God falls. Wow, how amazing. But it doesn't end there. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, now in verse 26, if you guys want to join me. It says, as for Philip... An angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of a great authority under the Kendik, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. 
and was now returning. Seating, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, you see, there's the Holy Spirit. He had it, right? The Holy Spirit said to Philip, how many of you know that the Holy Spirit speaks? How many of you also know that you could shut off the volume of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, huh, huh, no, I don't hear. What, Lord? No, I just uh, want to do my own thing, right? We could easily shut off the volume. But the Holy Spirit told Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Now, if you read the original text, the original text implies that God or the angel told Philip to go to Gaza in the middle of the day. Now, you guys know this is Middle East. Middle of the day, in the desert, hot, right? Hot. We know about hot here in South Florida, but that desert, hotter, hotter, <laughs> a lot hotter. And if you read, he said, go through the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And till this day, the, the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, it's not even a secondary road right? It's like a tumbleweed type of road, right? It's an uncomfortable in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. An, so so here, here's a man that just lost his best friend for preaching the gospel. And God calls him and says, hey, you continue. You can't stop now. This has to continue. And he's willing to do it. How, how crazy is he? What made him do it? I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't care if he had to die for this. It was worth it because people need to know about Jesus. It's worth it. Do you think it's worth it? Is it worth your life for you to speak to somebody about Jesus? And, and, and this guy now, you know, he goes to Samaria, preaches, amazing things start happening. And when, when he thinks he can finally have some time to process the death of his best friend and, and, or just, just relax, God's telling you, I'm not done with you. There's a lot of work to do. I need you to, look, there's one person that I need you to go to. And he just finished coming from Blessing an entire city and him healing the sick in an entire city, just crazy things happening. But now God sends them to one in the middle of the day on a very uncomfortable desert road to Gaza. And he goes to a eunuch. Everybody know what a eunuch is? A eunuch is a, a, a male, a, a guy that was born without all his packaging. You know what I mean? He didn't have his testicles, all right? There was also, if you know first century, um, first century history, what they would do is that sometimes in poor families, they would take young little boys and they would cut off their testicles. They would castrate them. Why? Because then wealthy people would hire these young kids and prepare them, you know, to be servants in their homes because supposedly it would, they would be more docile. And they do this to this day with cows and horses. You know, they would, they would castrate them because they're more submissive, right? So this is what, what a eunuch was, whether it be by surgical procedure or whether it be that they were born this way, they would, uh, they would come and they would serve. And if you've studied a little bit about the ceremonial law in Deuteronomy chapter 23, it said that eunuchs cannot fully worship God. So eunuch were, eunuchs were not allowed to go into the synagogue and worship God like you. Like right now that we're sitting here worshiping God. We weren't allowed. If it was in this society, eunuchs couldn't come in. Couldn't worship God. So here, God does amazing things through this man, Philip. 
blesses an entire city, heals the sick, does crazy things, saves people, and now he sends them to a eunuch. A guy that was marginalized by society. A guy that every, and, and don't be fooled by his position, because I've always read about this eunuch, I'm like, whoa, he was a, an important person. Yeah, but there was a price he had to pay for this position that he was in. He was marginalized, overlooked. And he goes in the middle of the day to speak to him. And uh, when he gets there, he's like, well, what are you reading? He's like, well, I'm reading Isaiah. And Philip says, well, do you know what you're reading? He says, well, how can I, how can I know if nobody teaches me? It's actually in the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We just read, go over and walk along beside the carriage. And, and this is what really shook me as I finish off and wrap this up. When I was reading this passage about Philip and everything he did, after seeing his best friend martyred and stoned to death, and then going to Samaria, a difficult place as it is, to preach the gospel, and then just all the crazy things that happened there, and not taking a break, and now God says, wait, I got another mission for you. And he was willing, what, what really surprised me was one word. And the word that surprised me was he ran. Isn't it crazy that when God called him after everything, you, you could say, man, the guy was tired. He could, have, he could have said, God, give me a break. Can you just give me a couple of days to recover or process all this or help me? Give me I need a day of prayer <laughs> to pray so that the Holy Spirit would help me. Look, when you're walking in the Holy Spirit, you don't need to pray for the Holy Spirit. You're already walking in it. You're going to get supplied with whatever you need, whether it be strength, right? So he's here, and, and I love it because it says that he ran. Acts 8.30 says, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. And then, well, the story, you know, he showed him, he led him to Christ and whatnot. But I want to stop here. Philip ran. Philip ran towards this guy. Probably was tired physically. His life was at stake. He was in the middle of the day. I mean, anybody could have caught. Look, remember when they caught Jesus? That all the disciples dispersed and nobody knew where the disciples were? Because they wanted to kill them as well. And they were looking for the disciples, but... Here's boldness through the Holy Spirit. And this is what the church needs today. Listen, this is what the church needs today. Boldness. Boldness to say, man, Jesus loved me too much. I can't, keep, I can't stay silent. I need to speak about Jesus. People need to know about this. My, my neighbor needs to know. My friend needs to know. My people in my school need to know. Everybody needs to know. And I'm going to run. So I want you guys just to close your eyes right now for a second. And, and, and ask yourself this question. When was the last time that you ran towards somebody to share the gospel? When was the last time that you literally or figuratively ran, that you couldn't wait to tell this person about Jesus Christ? Somebody that you love. Could be a family member, could be a friend that you spend a lot of time or that you remember from high school that was really special. Uh, how, how long has it been that you actually ran towards somebody to speak to them about Jesus. And the second question I want to ask you, because I'm going to push a little bit further. When was the last time that you ran 
towards somebody to share the gospel, somebody that was marginalized, somebody that was hmm, the drunk in the corner, the bum under the bridge, or somebody maybe that doesn't have a financial need, but maybe it's destroyed or lost his marriage or lost something. When was the last time that you ran, literally, you ran through the power of the Holy Spirit, not mattering what was going on in your life and said, this person needs to know about Jesus. And I'm probably the only one I could tell him. And even if I wasn't, I'd still run. So if we're maturing and growing, we begin to understand the miracle that the God who breathed upon the universe delights on us. Listen, Song of Solomon 4.9 says this, you have captured my heart with one glance of your eyes. You have captured my heart with one glance of your eyes. See, sometimes, you guys could open your eyes now. <laughs> sometimes uh, we think that God saves us and God blesses us out of pity. Oh, you know, these people, are, these people are lost, so let me save them. But it's hard for us to understand something that God delights on us. Do you understand what delight means? You know, I, I delight in my children. I love, I love seeing my kids. And as, you know, as much trouble as sometimes they can give me at home, uh, because they're both very active, but I delight in seeing my little girl. I come from work, and she's like, Papi! They always come, and they give me a big hug. I delight in that. I love that. Do you understand what it says here in Song of Solomon? That, that with one glance of your eyes, you have captured my heart. That God delights in you. you know, sometimes we come to church, and we don't realize how much God loves us. And as the Holy Spirit forgives us and reveals to us the love of Jesus, and if you want to know a little bit more about that, you could go into last week's podcast, right? Um, he starts removing layers of shame, layer by layer, one by one. How can I not share this love that I've experienced with others? How can, look, the only reason why sometimes it's hard for us to share the love of God is because we haven't received it ourselves or we haven't understood it. Or because we're just uh, limiting the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, yeah, we, we want to be a Christian to say, oh, I call myself a Christian. We think that Christian is just believing that Jesus Christ was Lord. And that's good. But, but there's a commission. We believe that we've received this too great of a love to keep to ourselves. And the way you understand that love and process it is by saying, God, I'm going to obey you like we learned last week. What is, what is the greatest thing? And what's more, the most valuable thing to God? People... God's not into, he doesn't care about money. He doesn't, he doesn't need money. He doesn't need, he gave his son for one thing. And it's for what he loves the most, people. So when I love God and I receive his love, my response is to be like Philip and run towards people. Not walk. And should it be, should we have persecution tomorrow? God, give me the strength through the power of your Holy Spirit to run towards people even if there's persecution. You want to help me out? Even if it gets bad. Even if like Jesus told his disciples, listen, it's not going to get any better. But I'm giving you something that's powerful. The Bible says that Stephen, while he's getting stoned, he, he was probably praying. I don't know what he was doing. I mean, I can't imagine what somebody like that would be feeling. But the Bible says that the heavens opened and he was able to see what goes on in heaven. And I imagine that just, just that was like, 
It's like God saying, look, you're not alone, man. Even in this moment of suffering, I got you. And your greatest glory and your greatest reward is <clears throat> it's not in heaven. Because somebody would say, wow, no, but I mean, I thought that serving God, is, he would bless me, but this guy died. What kind of blessing is that? You see, we, we, we count blessings here. But your biggest blessing is not here. Your biggest blessing is not here. Our biggest blessings are in heaven. I'm just, I, I don't, it doesn't mean that God doesn't bless me here. I believe that God does bless and there's promises and I believe them and everything. But man, I'm not, I'm not tied to this world is what I'm trying to say. And we can't, as followers of Christ, we can't be tied to this world. Thinking that this is everything. And then, no, no, our, our greatest glory is up there. It's in glory. It's when we meet him face to face and we fall at his feet and we get to worship him. And not just us. We look back and we have 50, 100, 1,000, if you're lucky, people that you've influenced with your walk of God and that you spoke to them about Jesus that they also made a decision for Christ. I think that's, that's glory. How many say amen? So I'm going to ask you guys to stand on your feet. Probably not the Valentine's Day message you were expecting. <laughs> but as you close your eyes, I want to ask you this. Don't you think it's time for us to change how Christians are perceived? Don't you think um, it's time for us to love hard when it's hard to love? Don't you think it's time we run to those this world ignores or marginalizes? And Jesus wants to know, are you ready to take more risks to share about Jesus Christ. Listen, that's what it comes down to today. And you're not alone. He offers the power of the Holy Spirit. But in the end, you're in control of your life. God's not, God's not gonna push buttons for you. You have your own free will. But for those that say, God, I'm willing. For those like Philip that say, God, just, I'm not looking for an easy way out. What I've received, I've understood already that what I've received is greater than any thing I could ever want in this life and I already have it I have salvation I have eternal life God and I just suffer for those that don't know you so I'm here I'm willing so if there's anybody here in this place that wants to reconcile with Christ or that wants to make that decision for the first time to say I want to walk with Jesus I want to experience that this love I want to let him into my heart and I want to follow him I don't want to just call myself a Christian just because I go to church. I want to really, really be a follower of Jesus and let him into my heart and let that Holy Spirit that he promised and that, you know, filled Philip and filled Stephen to the point that he didn't care dying for the sake of the gospel. I want that same Holy Spirit to live inside of me. And if that's you, I want you to do this prayer with me right now. Whether you're watching the streaming, whether you're here in person, say, Lord Jesus, on this day I understand that I am a sinner and that the wages of sin is death. But I also understand that you came to pay the price that I should have paid. I received that gift that you gave for me. And I pray that your blood covers all my sins. Forgive my sins. And I promise that from this day on, only through the power of the Holy Spirit, I will walk in your path. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we call a salvation prayer. Salvation prayer. It's just, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's not complicated. 
The Bible says that if you do that prayer and believe it with all your heart, you go from death to life. But now I want to do one more thing. And I want to pray that in the midst of this generation, in the midst of the crazy times that we're living, and I don't know if things are going to get better, but whether they get better or they get worse, I know I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. That nothing, not even death, can sustain, can detain me. Not even death can threaten me because my Savior overcame death. We sing about it. It's time we act like it, right? And I pray that every eye is closed. I pray that God gives you and grants you supernatural power. That you will start tapping into that fountain, into that source of power, of grace. So that you are not a powerless believer a powerless christian but that you would walk in the power of the holy spirit to just do crazy things and let me tell you philip wasn't anything special he was just somebody that was willing when god called him the question is are you willing because if you are i guarantee you through the power of the holy spirit that you also see people being healed people being delivered people receiving jesus christ and joy in your city joy in your school joy in your household it, it god doesn't make he doesn't choose one person over another he can do it with anybody so father god i pray for every single person in this place god we don't want to settle for a dead religion we don't want to settle for just coming here sunday after sunday and not being moved or transformed or changed or anything god for that we stay home we understand that there's a calling over us, God, and that we're living in the end times and there's a lot of people hurting. So if we really truly understand your love and how much you love people, God, because we love you, we're going to respond towards that love that you have for others. And we're going to love others the same way you love them. So I pray, Lord, that you grant us boldness to be able to not walk, but run towards those, God, that are marginalized. Run to those that don't know about Jesus, God, whether they have money or not whether they're successful or not. God, we pray, God, that you anoint us and you fill us with your Holy Spirit, God, to not keep our mouths shut, that we have such power that comes over us that even the shy people just start declaring boldly your word, that even those that would never approach a stranger would have the boldness to start declaring prophetic words over people because it's not something of themselves, but it's something that's being processed through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that the true church of Jesus Christ, the one that you're coming for, the glorious church, without wrinkle God will stand up and be the church and the voice that this generation needs in Jesus name I thank you amen and amen and amen come on give God praise